Hey everyone, it's Tanya from Tanya's Take. And today is Tanya's Takeaway, which is a mini episode. Last episode, I said I was going to call them Tanya's Tidbits, but then as soon as I hit publish for the episode, I was like, wait a minute, Tanya's Takeaway. That's what it needs to be called. So that's what it's going to be called from now on. Anyway, today's Tanya's Takeaway is going to be about the confirmation of Kitanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman confirmed for the Supreme Court. Huge deal. And I was actually going to start this episode by reciting the names of all of the Republican senators who did not see fit to vote to confirm Ketanji Brown Jackson. But then I realized that's 47 names, 47. And why should I spend time reciting their names, even though I was gonna be petty about it, um, and take up practically a whole mini episode doing that. So I'm gonna take a brief moment instead to recite the names of the three Republican senators who voted on the right side of history. And then we're gonna talk about something else. So for the record, the three Republican senators who did the right thing are Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senators Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Senator Mitt Romney of Utah. Now I mention their names not because they need to be all that celebrated, but really just to emphasize that it is possible to do the right thing, to cross party lines and do the right thing. And what is the right thing? The right thing is voting Ketanji Brown Jackson to be confirmed onto the Supreme Court, regardless of whether she is the first black woman and it is a history making moment, let us not forget, she is also supremely qualified. So I wanna use the opportunity to take a look at the actions, the decision, the choice made by those 47 Republicans and talk about how it is an example of upholding white supremacy. Now, I wanna draw a distinction. I wanna draw a distinction between white supremacist and white supremacy, okay? So a white supremacist is a person who believes that white people constitute a superior race and should therefore dominate society, typically to the exclusion or detriment of other racial and ethnic groups, okay? So that's an individual, essentially. White supremacy is the social, economic, and political systems that collectively enable white people to maintain power over people of other races. So those distinctions are important for what I'm going to be talking about. Am I a white supremacist? No. Have I upheld white supremacy? Yes. This country was built on a foundation of white supremacy. It is institutional, it is systemic. It impacts policy, law, school districts, playgrounds, decisions made, people who advance versus people who are held back. It impacts everything. And because this is a country that has a foundation of white supremacy, 
If you have found in your life any level of success, if you have had progress, if you have moved forward in any capacity, regardless of race, you have in some ways benefited from the upholding of white supremacy, right? Now you might think, I don't need to take responsibility for this. I'm just trying to live my life. But in order to truly be anti-racist, we have to understand that we are complicit in the upholding of white supremacy. Because if we weren't, we would be out in the streets fighting it every day, fighting every system that upholds some and not others, fighting every piece of policy, fighting for any type of injustice that happens anywhere in this country, right? That's the only way we could legitimately say we are not in some way, in some degree, upholding white supremacy. Can we at the same time attempt to dismantle it as much as we can? Yes, right? But until it is totally dismantled, or unless we are willing to live completely outside our society as we currently know it, we are part of it. Again, I just want to emphasize it's the idea of being complicit, right? And uh, challenging every day the areas that we can uh, while still surviving. But these Republican senators, these Republican senators who willfully voted against a woman who would be the most qualified judge on the Supreme Court, that is a line in the sand. And it's a line in a sand that they have drawn before, but there was something particularly egregious and, and really just sick about this choice that these senators were making. And some of you may have seen the YouTube videos or watched it in real time when they basically were sharing with her that she was the most qualified woman that they had ever seen ever, right? Like they compliment her, they tell her she's amazing and smart and so deserved to uh, get this confirmation, but that they were going to respectfully vote no. And that the reason they were going to respectfully vote no is because they want to impede progress. They want to continue to make the Supreme Court not reflect this country in its diversity. And any other reason that they may try to claim for the decision they made are lies. And then to add insult to injury, to put more salt in the wounds, after the first female black vice president announces that the confirmation is 47 to three, it is official, Ketanji Brown Jackson is the next Supreme Court justice, those MFers walked out. They walked out, knowing full well that that would be seen by her, by the country, by history. They knew they were making a definitive statement. These individuals are hiding in plain sight. Makes you think about those distinctions, makes you think about the ways in which you may be complicit in upholding white supremacy, when and where and how you can challenge that and play a role in dismantling it. And where are you responsible for policies or culture that upholds white supremacy. How can you change that?
So I want to finish this episode with words from two black women who I greatly admire. And it's no surprise to me that one quoted the other. So this is from Ketanji Brown Jackson's speech, her remarks at the White House after her Supreme Court confirmation. Here is some of what she said. It has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. But we've made it. We've made it. All of us. All of us. And our children are telling me that they see now more than ever that here in America, anything is possible. And a little later in the speech, she said, and in the poetic words of Dr. Maya Angelou, I do so now while bringing the gifts my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. That is part of Dr. Maya Angelou's iconic poem, Still I Rise. Here's the whole thing. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I'll rise. Do you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise? That I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Maybe it'll be all right.